a good move. Why don't you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 3, Episode 10, Dusty Gazangas. Well, everybody see that? I just got laid. You didn't get laid. Well... How would you know? I I don't. Dusty Gazanga's premiering October 3rd, 2004. And I don't know that I had necessarily seen this one, although I did watch it very recently with some of you over on the Discord. We had a watch party. We watched this episode. And we also watched the one that comes after it, T-Shirt of the Living Dead. So I saw it there recently. I got to say, I wasn't too impressed by it. It seemed to be very one note. But, of course, diving into it here today, we'll see how it goes. We have Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall making a guest appearance on this one, which is exciting. Of course, we'll get into him. We'll get all into this episode. But before we do, we've got some other stuff to talk about. First up, our Aqua Teen news this week. First of all, I want to mention, of course, the Boston appearance by Matt Malero, Dave Willis, Dana Snyder, and Ned Hastings that is taking place May 20th, of course, in Boston. So link to that in the description if you would like tickets to go. Otherwise, I have some exciting, exclusive information just for you. Like I said, if Matt Malero's film Postocalypse wasn't uh, announced with a release date at the end of April, I would reach out to Matt and ask him what was going on. And I did just that, and Matt says that Postocalypse is scheduled for a May 21st release. So very excited about that. Again, that will be on Tubi, which is completely free. So the second it comes out, you could watch it without paying a dime. And if you want to support Matt, I suggest doing just that. We will talk more about Postocalypse when it is out, but I'm excited to see it. Matt wrote this himself, to my knowledge, and it's animated by Bento Box Atlanta, which is comprised of a lot of the original animators from Aqua Teen. So it'll be the same people who animated uh, Plantasm, the newest Aqua Teen film that worked on Aquadonk side pieces. Lots of names that we are very familiar with. Again, as of right now, according to Matt Malero, Postocalypse will be out May 21st. So that is our Aqua Teen news this week. On to our community news here, our community section. I know our boy Ian on his search for the hentai. That search has been very perilous, but we've also been getting other voice messages here. Let's listen to one from our friend CN100EG. Hello, Ronnie. This is CN100EG, and yes, this is my voice reveal. First off, I've been watching your podcast since at the end of 2021. It was a wonderful bless up to now. Keep up the good work. I want to let you know that I have a YouTube channel and it has Aqua Teen content there. I recommend to check it out. My Aqua Teen content is mostly toned down, but really funny and worth to watch. Last thing to mention is that if you're going to interview Carrie Means, inform me on Twitter since I'm very active there. So that's it on this message. See you next time. 
CN100EG, thank you so much. Uh, I can't believe you've been listening that long since late 2021. We were so much younger then, so much more uh, fertile, and so much uh, happier about life. But of course, now we are ragged and rugged, but we know a lot more about Aqua Teen. I think it's been a good journey. And I will let you know, I gotta say, CN100EG may be the biggest Frylock fan that has ever existed, so I'll definitely let you know when I get to talk to the man behind the fries, Carrie Means. Thank you for that voice message. Thank you for listening for so long. Of course, CN100EG mentions a YouTube channel. I will put that link in the description. Moving on. I don't know about you, but I'm dying to know what was going on the week of October 3rd, 2004. Let's see what was happening outside of Aqua Teen when this episode premiered. Probably ripping off Finding Nemo all the way to the top of the box office this week, we have Shark Tale pulling in a cool $47 million this week alone. Shark Tale being an animated film, uh, again, it's about underwater life. I mean, this is less than a year after Finding Nemo came out. Now, they probably started working on this before Finding Nemo came out, but my perception has always been that this was just a lamer version of Finding Nemo. However, the voice crew on this one is stacked. We have Will Smith, Robert De Niro, Renee Zellweger, Angelina Jolie, Jack Black, Martin Scorsese. Like, this wasn't a cheap knockoff, but... I don't think it really holds up all these years later. It only has a 6 out of 10 on IMDb and a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. Compare that 6 out of 10 to an 8.2 out of 10 that Finding Nemo has on IMDb. And Finding Nemo has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes versus Shark Tale's 35%. So Finding Nemo still holds up way better uh, to this day. I have not seen this film yet, but I am going to watch it soon because something tells me that we're going to be talking about it a lot on this podcast because, uh, I mean, <laughs> perhaps it's the top film the next few weeks in our Aqua Teen timeline here. And my wife has seen this one, my wife Hannah. She told me that this movie always kind of freaked her out because of the way it kind of sexualizes the fish. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Then she showed me a picture where, yeah, it's like the women fish have these like big lips and everything. They tried to make these characters look like they're voice actors. So I assume this is the Angelina Jolie character with the big lips. And of course, topical because we just talked about Angelina Jolie a little bit over on the South Bronx Paradise episode. But like the Will Smith character, I think has a resemblance to him. It's strange. I don't know why they decided to do that. Maybe to try and bank off of their voice actors on this one. Very strange. But uh, I, I see what she means the way that they just kind of, uh, I don't know, anthropomorphize the characters. I don't know if that's the right word, but... Regardless, it was a big deal on Cartoon Network at this time. Let me play you a, a very funny commercial for Shark Tale. It was, a, it was like a Shark Tale slash iPod collab. This is what that commercial was for that aired just two days before Dusty Kazangas premiered. And honestly, it probably aired the same day as well. We just don't have footage of it. Let's give it a listen. Behind every little fish is a great white lie. But this is no lie. You could win one of ten Apple iPods from HP and the Shark Tale CD. Come on, Ash. Dance with me, Mama. So shake your tail to CartoonNetwork.com and enter for a chance to get your groove on with the new iPod and the biggest fish in the music industry. Hot! 
plus 500 others could win the Chartel soundtrack. Don't just swim with the fishes. Dance with them on CartoonNetwork.com. It's possible, you listening, that you won one of the 500 Shark Tale soundtracks, and you have to wonder how many of these soundtracks were made and how many of them ended up in the fucking garbage and that nobody cares about anymore. Let me let me look up what was even on this soundtrack. All right, it seemed to kind of be like a hip-hop soundtrack. We have Missy Elliott, Christina Aguilera, Will Smith, of course, Mary J. Blige, Timbaland, Justin Timberlake. Uh, this was a real of-its-time soundtrack. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this soundtrack is probably better than the actual movie was. And before we're done talking about Shark Tale, I know you're sitting there pondering, wondering, was anybody who was in Shark Tale also in Aqua Teen Hunger Force? And guess what? There was one person who was. We have Vincent Pastor appearing in Shark Tale, but also famously playing Carl's cousin Terry in Aqua Teen. Now, we've talked about Terry. His name has come up on the show, but we haven't heard him voice acted yet, which is still a great thing that they did on Aqua Teen. I love that they alluded to this character at the beginning of the first season of the show, and then later on, I believe first appearing in Laser Lenses in season five, we have, sh- we have Terry actually showing up as a character again played by Vincent Pastor so we do have a connection there and I think that's enough Shark Tale for now I want to shout out a film I forgot to mention is on the 24th of September in the United States we had the film Shaun of the Dead premiering a film that I have seen that I really loved growing up I thought was hilarious and I went on to see the other films that Simon Pegg did, and I didn't enjoy them as much, but I think it was just a matter of me having been too young. Like, Hot Fuzz comes to mind. I probably was just too young to appreciate it, so I need to go back and watch all those movies. I'm sure, similar to Aqua Teen, as an adult now, I I, I could appreciate them more. But I do want to shout out Shaun of the Dead, although worth mentioning that the film had been out in the UK since April of 2004, but it just came to the US a, a couple weeks before Dusty Gazangas premiered, and then also the day before Dusty Gazangas premieres on Saturday, we have Amy Poehler replacing Jimmy Fallon as Tina Fey's co-anchor on Saturday Night Live's Weekend Update skit, making this the first Weekend Update female duo. And uh, I love Amy Poehler, she's hilarious, she's I think one of the, the funniest people in comedy. Tina Fey, of course, there's the connection to the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. We talk about her over on the Patreon and how she got involved with that film. She, I guess, being the creators of the Aqua Teen, if you want to go off of the end of that movie. So two very, very funny ladies here taking over Weekend Update. I've never been a big SNL guy. I always, I actually uh, went more towards Mad TV as a kid growing up, so I don't have that many fond memories of SNL. Of course, I've seen a lot of the classic clips. Those are always great, but never really watched it that much, and and I don't really have a connection to Weekend Update, but uh, between you and me, I think Amy Poehler, (laughs) way funnier than Jimmy Fallon, so good move there. All right, that's our film and television news for this week. Let's give a sweet little listen to our top album this week, and let me tell you, you might want to get a little band-aid put it on your cheek. I think I think it's going to help when you listen to this one. Still be as one as forever, as forever. 
This week, our guy Nelly is back at the top of the charts with his album Suit, selling over 396,000 copies this week. But the thing about this record is it's not the only record that he put out at this time. He put out another album called Sweat. So you get it. The idea is Sweat Suit. We have two separate records here. So the fact that he released two albums and one of them went to the top Billboard position is, is pretty remarkable in itself. But the distinction between these two records is Sweat, the album that is not at the top of the charts, is more like hip-hop party music, while Suit is more of an R&B record, because Nelly was making so much music at this time, he felt it was best to split them up, so we have Sweat Suit. But the thing is, even though this album Suit is at the top of the Billboard charts, these albums aren't really critically received well. I mean, as you can imagine, whenever a band puts out two records at once, there's probably going to be some filler. I think that's the case here, but I also didn't recognize any of the singles either. I don't recall ever having heard these, but I did listen through a decent portion of the album, and it was enjoyable enough. I mean, there's no hot in here on it, but I don't think anything was outright bad. And we even have Cowboy Tim McGraw, who we were talking about previously, on this album, which is kind of a cool mashup, and the song ended up being better than I thought it would be. But still, this record's suit, nothing to write home about. And I should actually mention that there's no little band-aid on Nelly's cheek on either of these album covers. Essentially, what you have is on the cover of Sweat, you have one side of Nelly's face, and there's this clearly photoshopped cloud background behind him. And then on Suit... You have Nelly wearing a different outfit. Uh, This time he's wearing a black outfit as opposed to the white outfit he had on Sweat. He has a black outfit on and behind him is like a a dark cityscape. Like you can see some of the light bokeh behind him. So that's what these covers look like. And a year later in 2005, these albums were combined into one, but they cut out a lot of the filler, just keeping the best tracks and then adding a couple new tracks such as the song Grills featuring Paul Wall, Ally, and Gip, which that song Grills on this 2005 re-release went to the top one position on the Billboard singles chart. So they re-released this as one full album, and it did a lot better. I think people appreciated not having as much filler and having a mix of these two kinds of styles of hip-hop and R&B. So that is Nelly with Suit. A record that I don't think people really care about these days, but it's not horrible. So moving on, we've talked about our top single this week, which is Ciara with Goodies. And we've also discussed our top alternative track, which is Green Day's American Idiot. We've discussed those in previous episodes. But I do want to shout out an album that comes out this past week in our Aqua Teen timeline. It's an album that meant a lot to me. It got me into this band and also this genre of music. And that record is Cradle of Filth's Nymphetamine. And the story goes that for some reason, we just had a bunch of extra CDs at my house. I think they were from my mom's friend, just stuff she didn't want. And included in those CDs was the Nymphetamine bonus disc. So it was like an extra EP, I guess, that they bundled with the full album. And I listened to it, and Cradle of Filth isn't really, especially on this record, a black metal or death metal band. But they do have those elements, and this was my first exposure to those elements. And on on first few listens, I hated it. But I kept coming back to it. Eventually, I loved it, and Cradle of Filth 
in 2006 or 2007 were my favorite band. And it's really because of this record and its bonus disc that that happened. And it really exposed me to all sorts of black metal music and just extreme music in general that I went on to love and still love today. So wanted to shout out Nymphetamine here. So that is our music this week. Let's move on to our video games. And there's really nothing spicy hot to talk about in terms of like highly rated games. So I'm just picking one here. Let's talk about Crash Twin Sanity that came out September 28th, 2004, just a handful of days before Dusty Gazanga's premiered. And this is a Crash Bandicoot game, of course, if you couldn't figure that out from the title. Crash Bandicoot, these are kind of platformer type games. And I used to not like Crash Bandicoot. I still don't, but I used to too. There's a little joke for you Mitch Hedberg fans. I just, as a kid, never got into these games. And as an adult, I've tr- it's not just Crash Bandicoot. I just realized I don't like these kind of 3D platformers where you just walk around the map and kind of do stuff. Like you have to jump over here to get this thing and come back. It feels too much like a job to me. It doesn't tickle my brain in the way that I want it to be tickled, uh, you know, with an ostrich feather like we'll see later in this episode. The way that I really want when I play video games. So, I mean, that's, that's on me. I'm not saying that these are bad games, but because of that, I don't have a ton of knowledge because I never was interested in playing these. But Crash Twin Sanity comes out to PlayStation 2 and Xbox. And you have Crash Bandicoot and Dr. Neocortex having to work together to stop the evil twins who are a pair of interdimensional parrots. It sounds like an Aqua Teen plot. Uh, they have to stop them from destroying Insanity Island, so you have to work together with your nemesis, you know, that old trope. And the reception on this wasn't great. Like, it was okay. The, the games weren't hated. And I know I was looking at some YouTube comments of people playing this game now where people are like, I know this game wasn't great, but I liked it growing up as a kid. And ultimately, I think that's all that matters. Not everything has to be a masterpiece. But the ratings here kind of hovering around 6 and 7 out of 10 at the time that it came out. Although I guess uh, one of the newer aspects of this game is that it has an open world level design, which definitely back in 2004 was pretty new. I mean, even today, people are still freaking out about open level world designs, although it's much more commonplace today. But that was definitely a difference in this game compared to previous Crash Bandicoot games that there's a little bit more openness to the levels. But yeah, that's Crash to Insanity. Some of the other games coming out this past week would be Mist 4 Revelation, Armored Core Nexus, and of course, the Shark Tale game. How could we forget the Shark Tale game? So that is our video games this week, our pop culture this week. It's October 3rd, 2004. You go with your friends to the movie theater. They all want to see Shark Tale, but you are saying, no, why are we seeing Shark Tale? It's just going to be a worse version of Finding Nemo. And guess what? Time will tell that you were correct. You proved all your friends wrong. After that, your friends want to go to Best Buy. They want to grab the new Nelly CD. It's selling so hot. They want to get Nelly's suit. But guess what? You're a rebel. You say, fuck that. I'm not buying Nelly's suit. I'm going to buy sweat. I'm going to be a rebel here. I'm going to stand out and be an individual. I'm going to get Nelly's sweat uh, while you guys can get suit, you fucking posers, fucking conformers. After that, you go home and you start playing your new favorite game, Crash Twin Sanity. The reviewers are saying it's not too hot, but guess what? You're saying best Crash game of all time, and you're writing that on your blog for everybody to see. Look, you are an individual back in October of 2004, but individualness can only go so far. You can only be so strong in your uniqueness as every human being must falter and submit to Adult Swim coming on. And what are you going to see when it comes on tonight? Well, I'll tell you, Mr. or Mrs. Contrarian in 2004, 
First up at 11 p.m., we have Family Guy, one if by Clam, two if by C. At 11.30 p.m., we get Harvey Birdman, attorney at law with high-speed buggy chase. 11.45 a.m. brings us C-Lab 2021 with Tornado Shanks. Midnight, we get Aqua Teen Hunger Force with Dusty Gazangas, as usual, our only new episode this night. At 12.15 a.m., we get the Brack Show with Splat, and this is one of the shows that we watched over on the Watch Party on the Discord uh, like a week or two ago as of this recording. And Splat, we have Brack's parents, mom and dad, running over Zorak, and then dad has to dress up like Zorak to kind of trick people to think that Zorak is still alive. And I remember we discussed this plot on the podcast previously, so I was excited to check this episode out, but upon watching it, with everyone over on the Discord, I was like, ugh, I'm not really into this. Like, I don't think it's that funny. Uh, it's not really my thing. So, uh, Splat, uh, not the strongest Brack Show episode, at least in my opinion. Maybe you disagree. At 12.30, we have the Venture Bros with Are You There, God? It's Me, Dean, which was a new episode the previous night. At 1 a.m., we get the Oblongs with Please Be Genital, and we watched this one again at the watch party, and I like this one. We have uh, the dad who, of course, played by Will Ferrell. He doesn't have arms or legs in the Oblongs, and <laughs> which if you haven't seen it, I know that sounds insane, but he's just kind of on the ground there, and a stripper steps on his penis and causes issues uh, in his relationship with his wife because they can't have sex anymore. Turns out that they were bonding um, a majority uh, of their relationship over sex, and they couldn't do this anymore, and they have to struggle with that. Actually, an interesting episode. Like, it's a funny plot, but also uh, interesting to see how it's handled in the episode. So that is a fun episode of the Oblongs. And I should say, thanks to Quint over on the Discord server, because Quint pointed out that the Oblongs is now on Tubi. I definitely remember when we covered the Oblongs over on the Patreon uh, this would have been beginning of 2022, maybe? Something like that. End of 2021. I can't remember. But it wasn't that long ago that the Oblongs was not available anywhere to stream online. But now it's on Tubi, which of course means it's free. So definitely check out the Oblongs if you haven't. It's a great show. A very underrated show. And then after that, at 1.30 a.m., we get Home Movies with It Was Supposed to Be Funny. Of course, you could see here on the free feed that I covered that over on the Patreon last week. And that was a great episode. You have Brendan unintentionally hurting his friend by trying to be creatively fulfilled while doing a project for said friend and, and her dad. It's, it's actually a really interesting dynamic. You get some of seeing Brendan struggle with doing work for a client... You get to see him unintentionally hurt somebody's feelings when he wasn't trying to and how he has to try and fix it. There's a lot of layers to the episode. So, of course, you could hear a little bit of that on the free feed. And if you want to hear the whole thing, just sign up to the Patreon at the $5 and up tier. And you could learn all about home movies and all about that episode specifically. And here's a little nugget if you didn't listen to that preview is that this was the second episode of Home Movies produced for Adult Swim. And when it first premiered back in September of 2001, it premiered on the 9th, which would have been the day that Aqua Teen premiered for the first time. So this episode premiered alongside Escape from Leprechopolis, which, if you will remember, was the very first episode of Aqua Teen to officially premiere. So it was fun kind of seeing the parallels between those two episodes that both premiered on the same night. So, again, that is our lineup this week. We have Family Guy, Harvey Birdman, C-Lab, Aqua Teen, Brack Show, Venture Bros, Oblongs, and Home Movies. What a lineup. What a night. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to jump in and discuss 
Dusty Gazangas. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by the Frisky Moonmasters over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden, chipping in $1 a month, $5 a month, even $10 a month to keep this silly podcast chugging along and signing on this week. You'll never believe this character's name. We have fucked up Frylock signing on to the $5 duffel bag of cash tier. Fucked up Frylock. What a coincidence that you have that name. That is your legal name, your birth name, your Christian name, and you end up becoming an Aqua Teen fan and also being such an Aqua Teen fan that you not only listen to an Aqua Teen podcast, but also support it financially. That is insane. What are the odds? What are the chances of that? Your parents must have been psychics or something. I honestly can't believe it. Fucked up, Frylock. Thank you so much. At this point, there are over 20 exclusive episodes over there on the Patreon. That's almost a full day, folks. I can't even believe it. We have episodes covering... Wait. What am I hearing? There can be only one! You heard it here first, folks. Signing on at the $50 tier, the Highlander tier, we have, get ready for it, Nick. Signing up like there's no goddamn tomorrow. Let me tell you, I had to triple check that email I got saying new $50 patron. I was like, do you mean $5? What is that? And then I had to reach out to Nick. I'm like, are you sure you meant to, uh, you sure you meant to sign up for this? And, uh, he did. And if you're wondering what the Highlander tier is, because I've certainly never mentioned it on the podcast, because I absolutely didn't think anybody would ever sign up to it, the Highlander tier is an exclusive one-person tier. Not only does signing up to this tier factually give you infinite life for as long as you're subscribed to it, but every six months, the Highlander will get to pick an episode of an Adult Swim show or Adult Swim adjacent show, I think that'd be okay, for me to deep dive into. And also, after being subscribed for a full year, Nick will get himself a beautiful commemorative Ignignoct plate that came out in 2015. Dave Willis gave it to me. It's a beautiful plate. I think it'll serve you well for the rest of your life, which actually will go on infinitely. Thank you, Nick. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Dusty Gazanga's premiering October 3rd, 2004 with a TV 14 rating, which I think is incredibly fair given the hypersexual nature of this episode and its titular character. And speaking of ratings, let me play you a commercial about ratings that would have been airing on Cartoon Network this exact month that Dusty Gazangas premiered. We're proud of the programs we offer, but some may not be suitable for young children. Pay attention to the TV parental guidelines ratings and control what your children see. Learn about the V-chip and parental controls available from your cable operator. Visit controlyourtv.org. Visually, in that commercial, we are getting some shots of some Cartoon Network shows, such as Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, Powerpuff Girls, shows like that at the time. But then we're also seeing some adult swim shows. And by some adult swim shows, I mainly mean Aqua Teen. That was the main show that they were showing during this commercial. Probably because Aqua Teen... 
in a way looked the most cartoony, I guess. So maybe kids could mistake that like, oh, it's it's, it's talking food products. It must be a kid's show. But uh, obviously, you know, as we're going to see in this episode specifically, it is not. Like I said earlier, I'm not sure that I had seen this one in the past. Uh, it seemed vaguely familiar, so it's possible I did. I've probably seen it once, but I didn't really have any great memories of this one other than when I watched it uh, on the Discord for our watch party here. So it's fresh in the mind because of that, but I don't really have an attachment to this one. And on voice duties, again, we have Scott Thompson, who we will get into once he appears in the episode as Dusty Gazangas. I also want to shout out the editors on this episode. We have John Breston, J. Wade Edwards, and Phil Sampson. Some names we are familiar with here. As always, we are not covering Space Gataz here. We will be doing that in the coming months on the Patreon. So, let's jump in, and we are greeted to an establishing shot of Meatwad and Master Shake in the living room. They are sitting on the chair, or rather, Shake is sitting on the green chair. They are both watching TV, and Frylock is going to come in to inquire about a stanky smell. And what smells so funny? You farted! We got us a big old gas leak, don't we? Yeah, from your butt that you fought it out. You got a paper mail in your butt making stationery down it's there. It's natural gas, Shake. Natural from his ass? Uh-uh, he smells a dirty. Yeah, that's right, Frylock. Fox smells his own hole. What the hell is that? <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. So what the hell is that? That is Frylock going up to the window and looking out and then saying, what the hell is that? We will get to that momentarily. But the point is, something is stankin'. And we have a reference here to a paper mill. And this is not the first reference to a paper mill smelling bad that we've gotten in Aqua Teen. We actually got it back in Total Recarl, which is season two, episode 12, where Meatwad mentions that it's going to smell like a paper mill once Carl drinks all the coffee and takes all the fiber tablets and such that Frylock left out for him to get his whole bowel process going to test out the super toilet. So we're going to get a few more of those references in this episode from both Master Shake and Meatwad. So Matt or Dave, they must have grown up near a paper mill or have been near one. I've never been by a paper mill, but I looked it up and they do in fact uh, produce like a sulfurous smell, which is, uh, I guess, <laughs> if you're unfamiliar with that, it's like an old stanky egg fart smell. That's what they are going after here. And looking it up, there do seem to be a fair amount of paper mills around Atlanta and in Georgia. So... Uh, again, I, this is obviously just coming from some real-world experience and grievances that they have towards paper mills, which, again, always stood out to me because I have never been near one and I wouldn't suspect that they smelled that bad. But the other thing I want to touch on is, like I said, Shake and Meatwater watching TV, and you can kind of make out what they're watching, and what I'm seeing is what looks to be a live-action Master Shake that they are watching. So they are watching some sort of Aqua Teen promotional material on their own TV. And if you have this DVD, the Volume 4 DVD that this episode is on, you'll have access to this because there are a bunch of the promos and such, and this exact footage is on the DVD. So it's funny that they just repurposed it to have as an in-universe show. Why they choose to do something like this and not one of the in-universe shows they already have, such as, you know, the bowling show, the horror show, things like that. I don't know. I kind of uh, wonder what goes into those decisions. But again, uh, breaking the fourth wall in a way here that, that uh, they're watching a Master Shake character on TV. 
And the more I think about it, the more it doesn't make sense and the more that it bugs me. Because if Master Shake were indeed watching himself on TV in any capacity, that's all he would be talking about. That's all this episode would be about. For example, look at the cloning when he's on TV and he just rolls with it in that one. So this one, I don't know, man. I think someone need needed to have lost their job over this oversight. All right, while I'm submitting the paperwork for that firing, I think we should move on and see what the hell is that stanky smell all about. And we're going to cut to outside now to see that Shake has dug up the gas line and then he added on a bunch of piping to it. And there's just natural gas spraying into the atmosphere. The idea being that, that Shake is going to light it and this will all ignite in flames because, long story short, he's going to be hosting the Olympics. As you would expect with Frylock not being a complete psychopath, he realizes that this is a horrible idea, so Shake lights one of the pipes that are sticking out, and a little flame ignites, and then Frylock is going to show us a new power, you know, three seasons in, we have not seen this power yet, and my understanding is this is the only time we will see it. Frylock will spray some fire-retardant foam out of his eyes and extinguish the flame. Behold the power! Of the games! <laughs> See? See what? Now we can host the Olympics, fool! No. Come on, man! No! When did you get those? Those are awesome! <laughs> Even Shake is surprised. Like, when did you get those? I've never seen you do that before. I feel like there was probably instances where that ability would have came in handy in previous episodes. But again, to really drive home the point of the visuals on this, I want to say that there are these pipes sticking out in all directions, and it's pretty well known, especially if you're a fan of King of the Hill like I am, that natural gas by itself doesn't have a smell. The smell is added so that you know if there is a gas leak, because otherwise you could very easily just die and not know that you were dying, because you just fall asleep and that's it, you're done. Of course, Shake digging up the gas line. That's not the first time we've seen him do that. Back in Broodwitch, we saw Shake do the exact same thing when he dug way too deep uh, past what Frylock said. He exposed the gas line, which was flaming at the time, and also the water line. And in that episode, the gas line was not actually in the same place as it is here, but it's Aquatine. That's to be expected. So in our next clip, Meatwad's going to have a question about all the pipes. And then Shake is going to decide now is the time to light the pipes. And for some reason, initially, in the previous clip, he lit a pipe and then Frylock put it out. Well, now he's going to light another pipe and then they're all going to ignite. Not sure why that didn't happen the first time, but it's going to happen this time. The flames are actually a blue color, which is what you would get if you lit uh, natural gas like this. And we're going to see just this crazy looking almost blue man group pipe contraption shooting these blue flames out in all directions. And then we're going to pull out and get a shot of the Aqua Teens neighborhood that we first saw back in early season one, like very early in the show's run. Uh, we're going to see that shot of their neighborhood, but then there will be a big blue flame on their house like that's. <laughs> It's this very funny, weird d depiction of what's happening from a, a bird's eye aerial view that we don't normally get. And again, it's like it just looks like the Aqua Teen's house is on fire, but it's not actually. This, this is just like a funny depiction. Oh, is this here in Olympus? Yes. <laughs> they will be viewed from space, creating a shape of a black child's hand petting a dove. <laughs> in the spirit of, you know... Light it up. No shade. <laughs> yes, Frylock. 
<laughs> so, okay, so I guess we see this pulled back shot because it's maybe supposed to be showing us what it looks like from space, although they do have shots of the Earth and the Aqua Teen's house kind of from space that we've seen in other episodes that they're not using here. I don't know what the decision is, but it's very funny. And again, it's not really a kind of shot that we get from Aqua Teen. Master Shake is very happy at this contraption he's built. Meatwad seems to enjoy it. Frylock is freaking the fuck out that, you know, their house is probably going to catch on fire or there's going to be an explosion because all this natural gas has just been being deposited around their home and there's now a flame lit. Regardless, I want to mention that Master Shake here, he is holding an American flag at this point, like on a stick, and this gives me flashbacks to the home movies episode. It was supposed to be funny that also aired this night that we covered on the Patreon because in that episode, Brendan does a similar thing where he holds an American flag in front of his camera to give just this kind of a patriotic effect. So we're getting two American flags on Adult Swim tonight. So the flames coming out of the pipe that we see close up, it's like some sort of uh, just actual flame effect. But when they pull back and we see the Aqua Teen's house is on fire, it's just our classic Hanson Space Ghost flame. And they change the color to blue, so they they just change the color of it. I love it. It's so it's so DIY. It's so funny. But let me tell you, Frylock doesn't think it's funny. So right from that iconic moment, you know, Shake is elated that his whole Olympic thing is working out, which I don't quite completely understand what he's doing here, but. His Olympic thing, it's going splendidly, but then we cut directly to Frylock shoving corks in every single one of the pipes, of course stopping the gas leak and putting the flames out, and then towards the end of the clip, turns out that South Jersey Regional Services has been called. They are here to rectify Shake's mistake. What a whopping way to f*** it up. You know, I was this close to landing a huge deal with Sprite and you totally blew it for me. All right. <laughs> Now, somebody from the city should be here any minute to take care of all this. All right, the city. Yeah, well, that brain trust seemed to have no use for my plans. Oh, yeah? And what was your plan? <laughs> my plan? I will... Plans just go into <laughs> details that I don't need to know because they're all crap. I'm talking about vision that I have with my eyes. All right, here comes the truck. Now, they're going to want to know who did this. And since you seem to be so proud of it... I may seem that way, but... I'm not here. So Shake is walking away. I want to say on this van, it is a white van. There's a ladder up top. It's just a typical work van. Looks very good, I think. But there's a little slogan on it that says, we'll try to fix your crap. So that's their slogan. That's the, this government vehicle. That is the slogan on the vehicle. And you heard Shake. He didn't really have a plan here. So I guess me not understanding his plan earlier made sense because he probably doesn't. He was just doing what he felt like. But he wasn't going to own up to it, because now that there are authorities here, he starts walking away. And I wish I could have been there when they wrote this episode, because I don't know how they would come up with this idea of Shake doing this to the gas line. It's so nonsensical. And the visuals are equally as nonsensical. Again, just with all this piping going everywhere, I don't understand how they came up with it. But it's very funny. But hey, the authorities are here now. It's time to stop joking around. And the person that has come to fix the gas main here is Dusty Gazangas. So Dusty, she slowly gets out of the car. We get like a slow reveal. First, we see her red platform boots that she has on. We see she's wearing these fishnet stockings. She has on these little red shorty shorts. She's wearing a belt, a little bit like a, like a tool belt, but there's money in it. And then she, her shirt is just kind of like, I think what's supposed to be a kind of blue jean or just blue 
sleeveless shirt and it's it's a button-up shirt but it's not very buttoned up and and she is a a busty woman so uh there's a lot of that visual with the episode that they'll play around with and then she's blonde she's got like big blonde hair and then she also has a tribal tattoo on her arm so the idea here is that she is a stripper they'll talk about that but she's also working for the city or the county doing this kind of utility work i guess She will be voiced by Scott Thompson, who we will talk about on the other side of the clip. But before we play it, I gotta let you know that we will see when she gets out of the car that Carl will be standing near his window. I assume he was there because of the big, you know, flame outside. He will be by his window and he'll see Dusty and then he'll come literally sprinting out. We get a brand new Carl animation. He's excited to meet Dusty. Let's go meet her. Guys. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you God. Go back in your house, Carl. You don't know what's going on out here. What seems to be the trouble here, little lady? It smells funny here. Yeah, it smells like a paper mill coming out my butt and that I smell like Louisiana. Come on, why would you say that to this lady with the big boobs? You don't have an income like I do, and you've never even ridden in my amazing rocket car. You have a rocket car? Yeah, if I get bored, uh, maybe I'll... Uh... Bench press it for you. <laughs> there's there's Shake. So he ran away when somebody was pulling up. But once he saw who it was, he we saw him hiding behind Carl's house earlier. He comes back and he's talking up a big game now. There's a funny little visual moment. As soon as we fully see Dusty, you probably heard some sort of noise and then like an explosion sound. That would be when we see Dusty, because she does this little dance too when she gets out. One of the quarks just shoots out of the gas line. And I guess that's supposed to be some sort of a euphemism for the characters' reactions to seeing Dusty, because they're all kind of shell-shocked when they see, I guess, just how hot she is. So, yet again, Dusty Gazanga, she is voiced by Scott Thompson. In this episode, he's credited as Veronica Billingsley, of course, because this show was not a union show. He was in the actors' union, so he had to use a fake name, otherwise he would get in trouble. And Scott Thompson is most famous as being in Kids in the Hall, which was a Canadian sketch show that ran from 1988 to 1995. The Kids in the Hall, a very influential sketch show. And we have to assume that either Matt and or Dave were influenced by it by inviting Scott to to do voice work on this episode. Before this episode of Aqua Teen, Scott had also been on the Larry Sanders show, Star Trek Voyager, and The Simpsons. And Scott doing this character makes a lot of sense, because on Kids in the Hall, he did a lot of women characters, most famously being Queen Elizabeth. He, he would play her a lot. So he's no stranger to playing women characters, especially, you know, voicing them. He doesn't even have to put a costume on or anything like that. But after this episode of Aqua Teen, Scott would go on to be on shows like Tim and Eric, Awesome Show, Great Job, Another Adult Swim Show, and also American Dad, a show that, uh, you know, is not an Adult Swim exclusive, but it does air on Adult Swim. So those are a few of the things. Again, I mean, I'm really underselling the influential nature of the kids in the hall, so it makes sense to me why they would want to get Scott on this episode. Let's jump back into it now. Carl is going to identify Dusty, and then we're going to have some talk about strip clubs, and then ultimately, Frylock's going to get fed up because she's supposed to be here to do a job, but she seemingly doesn't even understand that herself. You're, uh, 
You friggin' uh, dusty gazanas! I seen your billboard on the interstate! You dance out of the uh, wild, wild chest! No, you think of that girl down at Funbag Junction? That's Buster Bazookas. I think you're talking <laughs> about Nipple Hut. You're thinking Crotch Town. Crotch Town? Crotch Town. Yeah, it's near Booberg, but Booberg, eh, kinda weak. What is my name? You're Dusty Gazanas. That's my name! <laughs> I friggin' knew it! I had you pegged! Wow, wow, just, right? Yeah, I freelance there sometimes. That's how I got this job. I'm good at working. Look, my mom just sent me $80. Can I sign a check over uh, to you? Excuse me for breaking this up, but I think she's here to fix this gas main. What? Oh, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> well, look, I thought... You, you don't work for the city? Why does it say that somewhere? On your sh shirt. Yes, then. I work for the city. Well, then fix the damn main, please. So visually, we're just getting the characters standing around talking, although towards the end of that clip, we do see Shake laying on his back trying to look up Dusty's uh, uh, like pants or something. I don't understand. She's wearing these shorty shorts, but they're very tight, so I don't know what he's trying to see. Uh, her shirt also is kind of tight, so I don't know what Shake's trying to do down there, but he's down there. That seems more like a Carl move to me than a Shake move. But it's fun hearing them throw out these fake strip club names. I can just imagine Matt and Dave sitting around coming up with these and, and laughing to themselves. And Carl mentions Crotchtown as a strip club, and it never appears in the show, is my understanding. But in season 10, when, when the show is called Aqua TV Show Show... Uh, there is an homage to that in the intro. We see the strip club that the Aqua Teens are playing at in the intro there because they're performing the music. They're in Crotchtown. That is the name. As it pulls out, it shows the name. So there is an homage to Crotchtown, but we don't ever see it uh, alongside also, I assume, a lot of these or really all of these other names mentioned. Dusty clearly is not qualified for the job, and I guess they're kind of making a statement, probably unintentionally, but I don't know if they're trying to go after public uh, workers like this, like saying that they're incompetent, or Dusty said that she got this job because she was dancing at one of the strip clubs that was mentioned. She's like, that's how I got this job. Uh, maybe they're just saying that the people who employ these people, like these higher-ups in the city, are kind of scummy, going to, to strip joints and hiring the strippers there, assumingly to get on their good side. Uh, who knows? I don't. I, I doubt they're really trying to, to say something here, but they do pull from their real lives a lot in the show. So I'm thinking, like, what, did, did Matt or Dave, did they have some public person come to their house who was doing this kind of utility work who seemed like they were a stripper? I don't know what the deal is. But something I want to mention is we will hear from Dusty because she has on her walkie-talkie. Uh, we hear these kind of calls from them that to me is reminiscent of the Little Brittle episode. Because if you'll remember in that podcast episode, I played some of the, the overhead audio that was kind of buried in the mix. Uh, they do some of that here. It's not as extensive. But similarly to Little Brittle, we do hear Dave Willis coming over the walkie-talkie. And he's not saying a ton, though. He's mainly just saying, Dusty, what's your 20? Which is radio talk for uh, what's your location. And then he will say something else that we will hear in this next clip. He's going to say something, and Dusty, she's going to take that as a cue and start putting on a show. She's going to start dancing for the guys. You guys are cute. Where are you from? Doctor, that house. That's where I'm from. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. It is. Carl, give me some money. This is bull. I know, what is this? Drop your drawers. I don't know how to fix anything. Oh, don't get so down on yourself. You're, uh, 
Can you get down on yourself? You're cute. Will you stop prancing around? This is a family neighborhood. We are family. Keep dancing. Now, do you need to call your supervisor, or do you want me to do it for you? Okay, let me get my phone thingy. I uh, might need someone to help me with me, it. Me, no, 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 get back. Oh, Frylock, Fryman. Come on, man. So you heard on the radio that was a call for Dusty, show us your boobs. Uh, she doesn't go that far, but she does start dancing around, and she one of her moves is she sticks her butt out and slaps it. You'll hear that. Over on the commentary track for this one, because this is one of the season three episodes with a commentary track, but again... Uh, these were recorded at J. Wade Edwards' house, and it was kind of a party situation, so most of the commentary doesn't really have anything to do with this episode, but there are some tidbits, and in it, J. Wade Edwards himself is trying to track down the origin of that slapping sound when Dusty slaps her own butt, and uh, Matt Malero was claiming that it was the sound of Mike Lazo slapping Dave Willis's ass, but then when Jay asked, Dave, Dave revealed it was, they they didn't record it, it was just a sound effects sound. I love when Dusty asks, where are you guys from? And Meatwad's like, they're in front of their house, Meatwad's like, back there, that house. And if you're watching with the subtitles on, the subtitles are hilariously wrong. On HBO Max, it thinks that Meatwad is saying, Russia, jailhouse, when he's really saying back there, that house. But because of his, because of his voice, you know, not everybody can understand him like we can. But all right, Dusty is going to go and call her supervisor, or at least she's going to attempt to, because I guess she's so stupid that she picks up a a red wrench and holds it to the side of her face and starts talking to it that way, uh, thinking that that's her phone. And before we jump into the clip, a visual detail I have to tell you about is at one point we will pan over to the front of Carl's house where we see an incredibly crude platform built for the winners of the Olympics. They're still going on this Olympics idea that Shake had. So very, there's three very crude platforms and then written above them on Carl's house, there is a two, a one, and a three. So of course, like the first place person would stand in the middle on the highest platform. Second place is like the second highest platform. Third place, third highest. Again, you would not want to stand on this. This thing would fall apart if anybody tried to stand on it. But we will see that on the front of Carl's house during this clip as well. Hello? Anyone out there? Is this on? Hello? Wilco Roger? Hmm. This isn't working. <sighs> Maybe you should use the walkie-talkie. Hey, what are we doing here? You know, I got a phone up in my bedroom. Come on, I won't lock you in. Come on, please follow me. Carl, go inside. What, you don't like wimp? What are all these numbers doing on my house? <laughs> the award platform. That's where the athletes get the medals. Durr. Hey, you hear that, Dusty? We're having the Olympics here. Come on in with me. Let me show you where the pole vault competition is. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so lonely. <laughs> okay. No, you have to go. Okay, I have to go now. Job over. Over and out. Now call us if you need anything, and I mean anything. Oh, yeah, I need to get your wrench number. What is that number anyway, huh? That's funny. You're funny. So that is Dusty now driving away. I like her attitude, at least. She seems to enjoy her job, even though she isn't actually doing anything. But she is under the illusion that she's helping people, and she seems to enjoy living in that reality. Dusty is on her wrench, which she thinks is her phone, and she says, Wilco Roger... And this is her messing up the phrase Roger Wilco, which just means like understood or will comply on the walkie talkie system. I want to say 
I use a walkie-talkie every day at work. I work at Target. We have walkie-talkies. We don't say nothing like this, uh, but uh, Dusty, I guess, in her job, she feels it's appropriate. But I do want to shout out, there are a lot of people on YouTube I saw who thought that her saying Wilco Roger, and I think later she says Roger Wilco or something, uh, they thought this was a reference to the game Space Quest, which is a possibility, although this is also just general walkie-talkie lingo, so who really knows? But speaking of the walkie, I isolated some more of the dialogue that Dave Willis did for this episode that plays over the walkie, but underneath all the actual dialogue. Let me play it for you. Dusty, you, uh, you got your boobs on. <laughs> I know you do, baby. That is Dusty, you got your boobs on, and then a laugh, and then I know you do, baby. So uh, whoever's calling out to her is a real horn doggy. It doesn't sound like a great person to work with. One of the other things that he says is speaking to the box, honey, uh, I guess kind of, uh, I, I assume that's in reference to speaking actually into the walkie-talkie. A lot of people don't know how to use a walkie-talkie correctly. And considering that Dusty is trying to speak into a wrench, I mean, <laughs> she obviously fits that bill. So Dusty is gone, and now they're going to talk about her leaving a little bit, and then Carl is going to inquire again about the whole Olympic ceremony situation that is set up in front of and on his house. Because remember, there are some numbers painted on his house as well. Well, everybody see that? I just got laid. You didn't get laid. <laughs> well, how would you know? I, I don't. So, uh, we really get in the Olympics? Or, uh... Carl, what do you think? Yes? No. Is this latex or uh, oil-based? Manure. Horse <laughs> manure, to be specific. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Carl's just, yeah, all right. I honestly think it's funnier at this stage of the show when Carl just accepts what happens to him. He doesn't even really complain about it anymore. He's just like, yeah, of course it's ho horse manure on my house. If anything, it's good that it's horse manure because Carl was thinking, rightfully so, that it was paint. But it's actually manure, which would be much easier to wash off your your house. If it was paint, you'd have to go through a whole process. But just being horse manure, uh, you could just spray it with the hose. I mean, after a while, it'll just go away, I would think. This episode introduces the trend of the Aqua Teens not really knowing what sex is. Like, Shake thinks he got laid here. Which, for Shake to think that would make sense, because he's a dumbass. But, first of all, I'm surprised Carl didn't speak up against that, because Carl surely knows what having sex is. But Frylock seemingly doesn't know either here, which which doesn't make sense to me because you don't have to have had sex to understand what it is. And Frylock being a genius, I think, I don't know. I, I don't like when they use them in this way, and I know that they will use them in this way in future episodes, but we'll talk about those when we get to them here. Jumping to our next scene now, we have Shake on the phone while he is simultaneously chainsawing up the chair. He's just cutting it into pieces because he's trying to create a problem that would cause Dusty Gazangas to have to come back. Yeah, I need you to send someone out. What? What? <laughs> Hang on. All right, what I need you to do is get off your duff and get Dusty Gazangas over to my house today. <laughs> Because I just chainsawed my chair to a hundred pieces. <laughs> Gotta be related to water, sewage, or electricity, huh? Can you hold on a second? I like the way Dana Snyder plays that. He's like, because I just chainsawed my chair into a hundred pieces. It almost reminds me of John C. Riley playing Steve Brule many years later on Adult Swim. It's like a similar cadence to their voices. 
Of course, I gotta tell you there, the chainsaw that Shake is using is the chainsaw that I believe we first saw in Super Sirloin. It is not the chainsaw from the shaving that Willie Nelson was using. And it's fun to see. We do have both of those chainsaws, like those different assets pop up from time to time. And uh, it's, it's fun to see which one they pick. And I have to wonder how they decided which one to use in which instance. Because I know recently we did talk about that shaving chainsaw again in, in, in a season three episode. So they got chainsaw options on this show. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Shake is now going to use that same chainsaw to cut all the wires up in a utility pole that is in front of their house, which that utility pole I don't think has ever been there before. Granted, we don't really go to that side of their house a lot, but we have seen it uh, out front of their house. I mean, we have seen that area, though. There normally is not a utility pole there, but now there is. Shake, he's up there chainsawing stuff to get the city to come out. But unfortunately, in doing so, he cuts the electricity to his house and then his his landline, his wireless phone that he's using that is still a landline does not work because the, the main part of it is dead now inside the house so he can't talk to them anymore so Frylock is going to be there he's going to pull out his cell phone and he will call the city to come get it fixed okay the power just went out hello hello <laughs> what just happened to the power I don't know you don't know what do you think happened to it? All right, Shake, what? Do you expect me to believe that the chainsaw just sprouted legs and cut through the transformer all by itself? <laughs> Would you... Do, do you believe that? Uh, yeah, we have a problem with our power line Tell and about apparently... the chainsaw that sprouted legs! Make sure we get the X-Files here! So, did you get all that? Hang on! Send Dusty Gazangas over here! Immediately! Wait, 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 wait! Tell her I love her. But that I'm a man and I gotta be free, so she's gotta be responsible for birth control. Daddy's getting some pudding tonight. <laughs> so that is Shake throwing down Frylock's cell phone. And it, of course, it explodes. And I want to mention that cell phone really quickly. That is the same cell phone from Superhero, which is season two, episode two. That is the drizzle phone, but it actually has a real keypad in this shot as opposed to just the giant D on it that only calls the drizzle. So again, that's exciting to see the same asset used there. I don't know if we've seen this phone otherwise. Uh, for example, in a previous episode, Frylock pulled out a flip phone, and I know we talked about that a little bit, but this was not that flip phone. So Frylock, I guess he has some burner phones or something. Who knows what's going on with him? But I love seeing Shake cut the power to his house, and I guess he would probably cut the phone line as well. And then his phone just stops working. I went through something similar fairly recently. I had been trying to stream more on Twitch at the beginning of the year, and I was having a lot of fun doing it. But for some reason, my internet would seemingly get throttled. My upload speed would be horrible. It would just be way, way below what I'm supposed to get and what I've, I normally get. And I wasn't able to stream because of that. And I tried to fix it so many times. And this was uh, yet another time contacting the the cable company, the internet company. And the, they're like, okay, have you tried plugging your computer directly into the modem, bypassing your router? Like, no, I'll try that now. And so, of course, because I unplug my computer from the router and then unplug the router from the modem to plug my computer into the modem, it cuts off my internet chat with them, and then I'm not able to get back on with the person who's helping me. So I can relate to Shake here, where you're, like, talking with somebody trying to get this fixed. And I knew this would happen. I'm like, all right, if they suggest it, I guess I'll try. And I did. And then, sure enough, by the time that the internet starts working on my computer again, I can't even talk to the person who's trying to troubleshoot me. So, Shake, 
I feel you here. And I like that he is, he's like completely requesting a specific utility worker come to his house, which of course, that's a giant red flag. I don't think that they would ever send that person if that were to happen. And then we hear him start confessing his love for her. And then he also, he won't use birth control though, because he likes his freedom. We had a fun reference there to the X-Files. Shake says that they should alert the X-Files because the chainsaw cut the electricity by itself. We've talked a little bit about X-Files on the podcast. I remember we covered an episode that came out the same week that the X-Files ended, R.I.P. But hey, it freed Vince Gilligan up to go uh, make Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, so it's all right. From there, the episode is going to do a bit of a time jump. It is now nighttime, and we see the utility worker pulling up in the same van that Dusty Gazangas drove. And first of all, it's like... If they work for the city, I don't know that they would necessarily be coming out at night. I guess for an electrical emergency like that, they would. But anyways, we have the van pulling up and we see outside, first of all, the whole complex of pipes that Shake had earlier in the episode is gone. But we still see the gas main kind of dug up there. But again, all, all that piping coming out from it is gone. But we see something new. We see a trail of rose petals going up to the Aqua Teen's door. So after that, we cut inside and we see more rose petals on the ground. Shake will comment on how somebody needs to tell Dusty just to follow the rose petals. And they lead right into Frylock's bedroom. Where Frylock is right now, I'm not entirely sure. We will hear him later in the scene. But like, I, I think it's weird that Shake is intending to use Frylock's bed to have sex on and Frylock is, is home and he's okay with this. Although maybe he's, I don't know, making dinner or something. So he doesn't know exactly what's happening. But there is a trail of, again, rose petals from the street to Frylock's bedroom. And there waiting is Shake. He is wearing a blue robe, which I've never seen him wear before on the show. He's wearing some sort of like men's underwear is kind of like a, a thong kind of thing and he is stuffing the crotch with tube socks these being the same exact tube socks that we saw in the dressing in the previous season i don't know if these ones are the laser guided ones i'm not sure but he's putting the same asset regardless in his pants there to to you know beef up his his man zone to impress dusty we also have some candles in the room because, of course, the electricity is off. And these are the same candles that we saw in Video Ouija earlier this season. And Meatwad's going to handshake a baseball bat to stuff in his pants as well, which just looks ridiculous because now uh, it's, it's completely unbelievable. You could see that it's a baseball bat because it pushes the underwear up enough that you could see the whole, like, half of the baseball bat, essentially. And Shake will be laying on the bed at a certain point in the clip. With, again, the baseball bat in his pants, the robe on, and then he also will have on this kind of, like, jester's cap and then, like, a Mardi Gras mask. It's very strange. I don't know what his fantasy is here. It's very crazy. And then he also has a giant ostrich feather that is pink, and he's kind of, like, waving it on himself, tickling himself with it. And the entire time, the premise here is also that Meatwad is supposed to film this, so you'll hear them talk about that. A lot of a lot of explanation here, I apologize. And then lastly, the last thing I need to mention visually is that we hear somebody coming up and Shake expects it to be Dusty Gazangas, but turns out it's a different utility worker. It is a large black man named Andre, and Shake will be there with a, a bowl of strawberries, and Andre, he'll be interested in some of those straws. She's here. She'll, she'll be propelled by her own sex drive, but tell her to follow the rose petals. <laughs> hang, hang on, just, just one second. Poor Tessa and I. 
Make her scared of it. Okay, shut up. Now remember, God. I got no battery in this thing, so you gotta get the money shot. I already been laid before. I know how it works. This is for you and everyone on the internet. Remember, your job is education. Hello, hello. You're <laughs> the laymaster. Come on in, lover. Oh, I'm just in here, you know, wearing a mask and tickling myself <laughs> with an ostrich feather. Ha <laughs> ha. Your power's back on. Hey. Can I have one of those strawberries? No! Get out of here! <laughs> Shake, he's not interested in Andre. Andre seems pretty... hes I don't know, maybe he's open-minded. Maybe he just wants the strawberries. Voicing Andre, I'm not sure who it is. I just reached out to Dave Willis about it because I can't find anything about who voices this character. On voice acting in this episode, we have, again, Scott Thompson is our only new name. Otherwise, it's it's Dana, Dave, and Carrie as the Aqua Teens and Carl. And then we also have Matt Malero, Mike Schatz, and Andy Merrill as the Space Kataz opening. So outside of those names, I'm not sure who this could be. So if you're hearing this, it means Dave didn't get back to me in time or he just didn't remember. Otherwise, I will replace this if he does respond. So we'll see what happens. Okay, so Dave just responded a few hours before this episode will go up. So I'm going to cut in very quickly here. And Dave didn't remember who it was, but he did offer some information. So Dave said... Pretty sure he did a voice for us on Space Ghost, too. So maybe you can follow that solitary breadcrumb? I'm completely blanking on his name. He worked in shipping for Turner, so we would see him in the building occasionally, and he had an incredible voice, so we dragged him into the booth. He was a great singer, too. Sang for an R&B band in Atlanta in the late 90s. So that's all Dave had to say about it. If you recognize this voice from Space Ghost, definitely let me know. Maybe we can look into it, and he is credited on that episode. Visually about Andre, nothing too exciting, though. He just he has a nice afro, but he has a, a toothpick in his mouth, but he's just wearing like a utility belt, overalls, typical kind of outfit you would expect. I like that he came in their house, like, up to the bedroom to tell Shake that the electricity is back on. I don't feel like a city worker would do that, but that's what Andre did. Maybe he just, you know, he wants to make sure that people fully understand what happens. Also, he fixed that very quickly, so Andre, I think he deserves a raise. He's like the opposite of Dusty Gazanga's pretty depraved that Shake was trying to get Meatwad to film this whole ordeal, especially if you think about the implication of Meatwad being a child, but obviously uh, nothing happened. Plus, I mean, I wouldn't even trust Meatwad with a camera. Who knows what he'd do with it? He probably wouldn't even turn it on. But I like how Shake was like, oh, I'm low on battery, so you gotta get it. You gotta get it. This is important. But um, there's two instances here of Shake dropping things that don't explode. We have Shake dropping the camera to Meatwad because... Having him just, just kind of toss it to Meatwad is easier to animate than having Shake like bend over to give it to Meatwad. And then he also drops the ostrich feather when Andre reveals himself because he's he's surprised it's not Dusty Gazangas. So neither of those explode as opposed to the previous scene where Frylock's cell phone explodes. But maybe that could be explained as Shake threw Frylock's phone, hence it exploded, as opposed to just dropping things. His explosion techniques aren't as powerful then maybe. Who knows? Jumping into our next clip now, Andre is leaving, so Meatwad's going to come out of wherever he was hiding to ask about it, but it doesn't really make sense because he was there. He was supposed to be filming, so I don't understand how he didn't catch it. And then in that same clip, Shake is going to yell out to Frylock about what just went down. Oh, did you just get laid? How'd it go down? <laughs> Tell me from the beginning. Meatwad, please. 
I don't kiss and tell. <laughs> Frylock, she was here and I got late again! Well, that's funny. I just saw Dusty go into Carl's house. No! So, Frylock's got some intel here that the reason Dusty seemingly didn't show up is because she was sent on another call over to Carl's house. And I love... The, the cut, I wanted to keep that as one clip because the timing is so funny of Shake like, I don't kiss and tell, and then the next second he's like yelling out to Frylock that he got laid, which is like, doesn't even make sense. Dusty wasn't even there. But also, I mean, it proves that Frylock was home while all this was happening, and that, again, back to Shake, like, trying to have sex in Frylock's room while poor Meatwad had to film it. By the way, I realized I'm a dummy. I didn't even give you a resolution to my internet story. Remember, I said that I was streaming a lot, but then my internet would get, like, throttled, even though my internet company claimed that they didn't throttle, even though it doesn't make sense what else could be happening. Uh, I still don't really have a resolution to it. After trying to fix it that day, I just gave up, and I haven't really tried to stream since, which is frustrating because I really do want to play Explosions Aqua Teen Hunger Force, the very unofficial game, on stream again, because it's a great game and I, I just want to replay it. But also I want to stream the Ninja Pro-Am game, the official Aqua Teen game, at some point this year as well. So I got to get back on that and make sure that that internet is working. But it's just, man, it's so frustrating when, when the techs are like, seems fine. And I'm like, well, it's not because I'm getting like a fraction of what I'm supposed to be getting on my upload speed. But uh, luckily I can still upload the podcast. So that's all that matters. Like Frylock said, Dusty was going into Carl's house. So we cut into Carl's bedroom where Dusty is there with Carl. The lights are off and he's kind of like pointing and gesturing at the light switch that he wants her to flip on because eventually she will, which will then turn on a black light Music will start playing, and then we'll see Carl standing over on the other side of the room with a video camera, and he's wearing a new outfit. Instead of his normal getup, he is now wearing just assless chaps, and that is it. No shirt, but I guess he does still have on his gold chain. Oh, thank you so much for coming over. See, I can't get the lights to go on in here. <laughs> it could be broken. Maybe it is. I think it's broken. Well, there's, there's this thing here, but... You know, I don't know what this is. It could be related. Oh, that's definitely a switchy switch. A switch. You think that this switch, as you call it, is somehow related to my light problem? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> well, it could be. I think you're right. We could try it. Oh, you should try it. You're so much better, you know, than I am at this. Okie dokie. Here goes. Hey, look at that! You're a TV star! Hey, can I get you some? You want to, uh, funnel some liquor? <laughs> so that is Carl holding up a funnel for Dusty Gazangas to, to funnel some liquor, like he said. This actually being the exact same funnel from Super Birthday Snake, the first episode of Season 2 that they used to get the snake drunk with. But a lot going on here, so I actually, when watching it back that time... I just realized now that we can see there is a black light installed on top of Carl's ceiling there, which makes sense. So a black light you might be familiar with as being like this purple hue. What black light really is, is UVA light that emits long wave ultraviolet light. And with that light, we can see phosphors. And what happens with the phosphors of like what kind of glows via the UV light, the black light, is that the phosphors convert energy from the UV radiation into visible light so that we could see it. 
and phosphors are included in things like you know bodily fluids like blood and urine and also semen stains and i want to point out in carl's room we see a lot of random things now glowing like a lot of stains so uh, that could be blood, urine, semen, or all of the above, knowing Carl. Who knows what's going on there? But a lot of other things glow under UV light as well, such as there are, for example, some funguses that will glow under UV light, rock salt, petroleum jelly like Vaseline, which I guess Carl could also have, olive oil, canola oil. Of course, famously, materials are used for posters where you would have these black light posters that were meant to be used in conjunction with black light to uh, produce a really cool glowing effect. But besides that, there's also teeth, certain plastics, and certain clothing will glow. For, so, for example, we see Carl's, like, his little uh, thong area covering his junk. That is glowing. Although maybe that's just... God. Maybe that's just soaked in urine or something. That's why it's glowing. Maybe it has nothing to do with the material. But ultimately, to the episode, we see that when the light kicks on, the whole image just looks different. And it's technically impressive that they did that. It's kind of high concept that they did that for an episode of Aqua Teen. And it's revealed in the commentary that Nate Cherney is the main uh, compositor or, or effects person behind this effect in the episode. We've talked about Nate Cherney a little bit. And it seemingly was just an effect that was applied to the overall image of the episode, but then some masking would have been done to get these certain things glowing that needed to be glowing. So it was like a mixture between applying just a filter to the entire episode and also going back and adding these other kind of glowing elements. Uh, Dusty, I'm seeing that her bracelets are glowing, but otherwise not much else. But it, it's a cool look. You, you don't get to see Aqua Teen look different like this very often. But again, Carl changed his outfit very, very quickly. It was like instantly, as soon as she flipped the switch, he was in his new outfit. And he's trying to film them doing stuff. And I want to note, he has the same exact camcorder as the Aqua Teens, which is funny. You know, the show has one camcorder asset, I guess, and they have to both use it. Also, we have Carl's clock in his room that still reads 4.15, the time that it normally says, which is funny because it's dark outside. So it's like, what is it, 4.15 in the morning? What's going on here? And I want to point out something I forgot to mention was Dusty's name tag. So with Andre, the previous utility worker, I could make out what his name tag said, but Dusty's name tag, uh, I, I can't read what it's supposed to say. It's like very squiggly. So I don't know if the idea is like she was supposed to write her name on this and she doesn't even know how to write her name. That's how dumb she is. But that doesn't make sense for this kind of like patch name tag situation. So I don't know what is going on there. But let's jump back into our scene here, our uh, stain-filled scene in Carl's bedroom. Shake is going to now come out of the bathroom, uh, which we'll talk about that after the clip. He's going to come out of the bathroom entering the scene, and he's going to be mad that Dusty's over at Carl's house, and he'll say something like, oh, she's not into you, but then we see that Dusty is gladly drinking from the funnel that Carl had. He's pouring beer down it while she's down on her knee drinking out of it. And also her, her boots are glowing when we see a shot of those. And then Carl and Shake will have some back and forth, and eventually they'll both run over to Dusty, and she thinks that they're trying to touch her. Maybe they are, I'm not really sure, but they both run at her, and then she pulls out some, some, some mace or some pepper spray, sprays them both in the eyes, and then she will pull back out her wrench and say, okay, like, my job is done, thinking that that's her phone again. And then out of nowhere, she'll just, like, be, we'll see her feet outside, and then outside the window, outside Carl's window, and then we pull out to see that there is some sort of wrench spaceship picking her up. You tramp! Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> easy! This is a lady here! 
You want me to go up with it, baby? Okay. There we go. Carl, you gotta know when to face facts, brother. Read the signs. She ain't into you. She's in my house, so uh, do the math. She may be in your house, but I'm the one wearing your thong. And I also got your ostrich feather. Oh, guys, don't fight over me. Baby, I would fight the kid's army for you. I'm in kiss. No touching. Oh, God, God, that thing, that hurt. Okie dokie, I finished the job. Over and out, Roger Wilco. Where are you going? (laughs) Don't go, don't go. I gotta tell you, freaking cute when she tries to talk into that wrench, you know, like she's gonna... Lick it or do something erotic to it. Yeah. I'll miss that about <laughs> So that is the spaceship flying away. This is taking the episode in a very wacky, crazy direction. But to go back to the beginning of that clip, Shake comes out of the bathroom. And I should mention he has on the robe and he still has Carl. Uh, it's revealed it's Carl's thong with the baseball bat still in it. So it looks like he has this giant dick sticking out that you can clearly see is a baseball bat. And then he does have the ostrich feather in one of the clips, too. I guess that was Carl's as well. Shake comes out of the bathroom because it's easier for them to do that than have him come out of the actual door because the door uh, would be, you know, that to animate it. They'd have to have him come in that way, which doesn't really work with the way that the characters are always looking kind of like at a 45 degree angle. It's just easier to have him come straight from the left as opposed to further in the background and come forward. So that's why they do that. We actually get that new animation of Dusty Gazangas on her knee doing the the beer bong thing. And then, yeah, she sprays them, which is funny. And they say, Carl says it was cute the way that Dusty talked into her wrench and then he gets kind of gross about it. But ultimately, Dusty Gazangas, I think, actually is a cute character on the show. And she's a special character on the show in that she... It's just like always positive. She's always she's non-judgmental. She doesn't judge them for how they look. This episode clearly, and I haven't really mentioned it up till now, is like a different take on the Mail Order Bride episode, where in Mail Order Bride, you had Carl and Shake fighting over Svetlana, but for different reasons. Carl, very for similar reasons, wanted her for sex, and Shake wanted her just to cook for him. Here, they both want Dusty for sex, although Shake doesn't know what sex is. But she's not, like, repulsed by them. She actually kind of humors them and is willing to hang out with them in some sort of context. For example, earlier in the episode when Frylock was there, when they were standing outside the Aqua Teen's house, she was willing to, like, hang out with them. It was really Frylock that shut that down. So Dusty, she's an accepting character, a positive character. She seems to enjoy her job. I like those aspects of her. It's actually somewhat refreshing for a character on this show to accept these guys and not just instantly find them repulsive, even though it's very funny when that is the case. Now, they present her almost as a a moron because she can't understand what's going on here. But I guess it's because of that ignorance and that stupidity that she has these positive aspects about her because any sane human woman who was being, you know, come after in these ways would probably not be so optimistic about it. Luckily, Dusty is smart enough to know that she should protect herself from these guys, so she does pepper spray them and we will come back to that. But I want to mention the line where Carl says, I would fight the Kiss Army for you. The Kiss Army is what fans of the band Kiss would call themselves. So he's saying he would fight every Kiss fan, basically, for her. But also there's a play of like, oh, well, they're an army. That would be a hard fight that I would do for you, baby. But then Shake just one-ups him by saying, I'm in Kiss, which of course is not true. Kiss, a band from New York City, most famously comprising of Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Frehley, and Peter Criss. 
They are a rock band. Some of their big songs are I Was Made For Loving You, Detroit Rock City, and my favorite, Rock and Roll All Night. Growing up, I really liked Kiss, and I even had like all these Kiss action figures. I'm not sure what happened to them, but my parents wouldn't let me take them out of the box. My mom's like, They'll, they might be expensive one day or worth something. So as a kid, it just tormented me. I really wanted to play with these awesome action figures. And if you're unfamiliar with Kiss, you might be like, what do you mean action figures of a band? That's so weird. Well, I think the thing really that drew me to Kiss wasn't their music at all. It was their look because Kiss, they all wore makeup, they had costumes on, and they were kind of these characters on stage. So I was really drawn to the fantasy of it as a kid. Otherwise, I couldn't even name you probably five Kiss songs. But I definitely need to check out their discography someday because despite the whole gimmick of their look, they did write some pretty popular music and and some music that has withstood the test of time. So that's a little bit about Kiss, who Master Shake is supposedly in. Actually, I just found the exact action figures that I had growing up. They appear to be the 1997 Ultra Action Figures by McFarlane Toys. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sad to say they aren't really worth anything. You could still buy them in the box. I'm seeing a set of all four of them for $100. And even then, that might be asking a bit much because I'm seeing them individually for much, much cheaper. So poor little child Ron didn't get to play with these awesome toys. Not only was it the guys from Kiss in their full costumes, but like Peter Chris, the drummer, he had like a little shield and like a, a, a full kind of drum set or some drums at least. He had weapons. Like they all had weapons with them too. Their guitars and things were weapons as well. It was the coolest thing for a kid and I couldn't play with it. This is so sad. If they were at least worth something now, I mean, I guess then I'd be bitching like, oh, I wish I still had them so I could sell them. But uh, the fact that they're not even really worth anything is tragic. I'm actually seeing a listing for all four of them. Not in the best condition, but they're still in their packages for 40 bucks <laughs> for, for four of them. All right, I'll let this go. Let's move on with our episode of Aqua Teen here. So Dusty Gazangas, she like... I don't understand, like, obviously, I mean, it's Aqua Teen, so I need to accept the, the gap in logic. But somehow she gets outside and she somehow gets, like, taken up by this homing beam from this wrench spaceship. So we're now going to see her inside the spaceship and there are these wrench alien things that are very excited to see her there. They have a pole that they need her to fix. Who are you guys? This pole is malfunctioning. <laughs> Perhaps if you were to... Dance around it. All these lights. Is this Pennsylvania? Yes. <laughs> I've never been to Pennsylvania. So she starts dancing. You hear the music start playing. There's these kind of disco lights. And one of the wrenches will come up with a dollar bill in its mouth it's trying to give to her. Of course, the one who's doing the bulk of the talking is Dave Willis. I'm not sure who the one saying yes is. That could be anybody. I want to shout Bob Pettit out on the background work on this spaceship. I think this has to be, so far in our time on Aqua Teen, one of the most detailed assets we've seen for a one-off gag, because we don't go inside the spaceship. We go, like, two quick scenes in this episode, and that's it, but there's a lot of detail going on. It looks like a, a typical spaceship that you would expect, but it's, again, it's just very detailed. 
Dusty is dancing for the wrench guys, uh, trying to fix their pole for them. We're going to cut back to the Aqua Teen's house now. Carl's over. And since Carl and Shake both got sprayed with the pepper spray, their eyes are all infected now. And this was the case in the previous uh, scene at Carl's house, too. Right after she sprayed them, their eyes were all swollen and things like that. And these being the exact assets from the episode The, or The The, whatever you want to call it, the one with J. Wade Edwards in it, where uh, Frylock leaves the Aqua Teens and, and leaves Master Shake and Meatwad to fend for themselves, and they get these eye infections. That's what Carl has. He has the exact same eye infection from that episode. And then for Shake, it's a little bit different. So it's the same... It's basically the same, but instead of his eyes having that nasty goop in them, like you would have from an infection, his eyes are just, they're drawn a little bit more red, which would make more sense for getting sprayed with pepper spray as opposed to, again, having some sort of chicken infection in your eyeballs. So they'll be talking about Dusty. Uh, Shake and Carl will get into a bit of an altercation, but Meatwad will butt in to attempt to do one of his world-famous heartfelt speeches. I can't believe that you're a little silly woman. Get between you and your friendship. Especially one that doesn't even know who you are. It's disgusting, isn't it? Breaks my heart that I have to sue his ass back to the Stone Age. <laughs> I'm right here, Shake. You want to go right now? We'll go right Come now. Come on, fat boy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Break it up, guys. And listen to me. Love's a wondrous thing. But there's more to it than the physical experience. Like, love. Oh, hell, I don't know. She had some tickle bitties, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Amen to that. Meatwad being a little horn doggy there. Surprised to hear him talk like that. Also, there was a comment Meatwad made earlier in the episode that was pretty uh, strange. It was when he handed Shake the bat to put in his pants. He's like, put this in there. Make her scared of it. So Meatwad having a bit of a, a horn doggy dark side in this episode that we don't really see. I guess it is fun when they use Meatwad in this unexpected way because these are kind of like Carl comments, not Meatwad comments. I should mention too that there is some continuity here and that the chair is still chainsawed into pieces all over the floor. But besides that, that is our bit of closure on the episode with what happened between the guys back on Earth. So for our last clip, we are going to go back to space where Dusty will still be dancing on this pole... At this point, Dusty is upside down. She's like holding herself on the pole upside down, which is crazy, like a, a, an incredible feat of strength to do this. I guess pole dancing really does uh, exercise a lot of muscles. Uh, so, so Dusty is here upside down. The two wrenches are kind of like crowding her, talking to her. She thinks she's fixing this for them. And then towards the end of the clip, we will pull out to reveal that this is being broadcast on some sort of jumbotron at a sporting event. It looks like it could be soccer or if you're outside of the U.S., football and the stadium is filled with these red wrenches and we see some of their silhouettes and they are just cheering at seeing dusty being shown on the jumbotron at this event is it working yet it still needs more mm, maintenance yes perhaps if you were to thrust into it yes or crawl around it on all fours like an animal yes like you're coming to get me like like i've been bad but you need to look at me yes Is that Pennsylvania? Yes. So Dusty, she's like, you know, a call back to her previous Pennsylvania comment. And you heard a dripping sound. That is the Dave Willis wrench. He starts to kind of, like, sweat out of his eyeball. I don't really know what that is supposed to be, if he's actually supposed to be tearing up or, or what the situation is. 
But I think if all these people are watching Dusty, she should be getting paid extra for this. It's not really fair here. She's she's being misled. Something to mention about the planet that we see when we cut to this sporting event. As we see in the sky, it is kind of like an orange atmosphere. And we see multiple celestial bodies in the sky. I, I think one might be a planet and the other two might be moons. I'm not entirely sure. But we're they're on some other world, as you would expect. Uh, all watching <laughs> Dusty dancing here. Maybe it's like halftime or something. And I want to mention the music that Dusty is dancing to. There is a link to this full track in the show notes. Of course, as always, shout out to Video Killed the Radio Star over on YouTube for finding this production music. It is composed by Helix and Femi Olashindi. Not really sure how to pronounce this, but the track is called Sweatshop from the album Tech House. So that is Dusty's theme that they end up going with here. Very catchy track. So, all right, that is Dusty Gazangas. That is the end of the episode. However, I do want to mention that we have custom outro music on this episode. So I will be putting that at the end of the podcast episode. So stick around to hear that custom outro music. And also, they replace... Typically, when an episode of Aqua Teen is over, you know, they say Skull, which is Matt Malero doing that. Uh, that is used for the Cartoon Network logo. But that is replaced here uh, in the episode, so I will include that as well. They have the wrench that says, yes, I, I'm, I wonder if that's a reference to something. I'm not really sure if it is or not. So if you know, please let me know. But yes, that is Dusty Gazangas. Before we jump into my thoughts on this one, let's talk a little bit about what we can learn from this episode of Aqua Teen. I think there's a few takeaways here. For example, I like Dusty's positivity, but I want to touch on the relationship between Carl and Master Shake here. They caused this strife between them, this conflict between them, but it was over somebody who wasn't even interested in either of them. So I think what we could take away here is don't get so worked up and even competitive over something you didn't have a chance of attaining anyways. I think it's very easy to get caught up in the end goal of something and not even think about if you can actually attain that or not. Now, of course, Shake and Carl didn't ultimately end up having anything major happen between them, but uh, they were they were going to fight at, at the end of the episode, but Meatwad broke them up. But again, it was over something that they, they both misconstrued in their head, and that was never going to happen anyways. So I think that's something is just take a step back and think about the situation that you are perceiving yourself to be in and then try and figure out if that situation is actually what is happening or not so to get to my final thoughts on this one going into it i was like eh, i didn't really like this one it was pretty one note having watched it i think that this is a good episode now the plot idea is one note and also it had already been done before in mail order bride the whole concept of carl and shake fighting over a woman but this was done differently because as i touched on Dusty Gazangas is a positive character, and she actually was hanging out with them, as opposed to Svetlana, she just booked it, you know, at, at the first possible opportunity, she had, she wanted nothing to do with those guys. So, this is, you know, different in that respect, but it is, it is still one note, I think, and that it's like, okay, we get it, she's this dumb character, although she does surprise you in that she, uh, you know, sprays them, she maces them, and gets out of there, but then she ultimately is being used by these alien creatures uh, at the end. So, for her character, I don't think that she's super interesting, but I do like the jokes here. I do like watching Carl and Shake act in this depraved way. I feel like an episode like this was good for this season, because this season has been playing around with so many different concepts. It's fun to see one of these kinds of episodes 
And as for the character of Dusty Gazangas herself, uh, yet again, I do like that she is willing to hang out with these guys and, and, and tolerate them and, and just spend time with them in, in a friendly kind of relationship. I think Scott Thompson did a great job portraying her. I mean, I, I read some comments from people who didn't even realize it was a man doing her voice. And Scott Thompson, again, just a, uh, a big figure in comedy. I'm sure it was great for Matt and Dave to get him on the show. But I guess it is cool, too. I've seen a lot of people dress up as Dusty Gazangas for Halloween parties and things like that. So it's cool that that kind of character was introduced, this kind of sexy stripper character that that people could be uh, that had an Aqua Teen connection to it. So I think that that's, you know, it's, it's always nice to have more options. Plus, her costume isn't that hard to put together, I don't suspect. So it's it's pretty cheap kind of Aqua Teen thing that you could do if you're going for that kind of look, which is nice to have around. So... We've been getting a lot of Meatwad-centric episodes this season, so it's nice that this is one that's focusing on Shake and Carl. I like seeing them so desperate for this character's attention who, who isn't going to be interested in them. I thought the blacklight scene was really cool. I, I like that they did something that ambitious in, in this episode. It's something that took probably a lot of work. Also, again, with the whole wrench spaceship, like there's these new characters. They're, of course, they're wrenches, so it, it's probably not that difficult. But still, new characters... Uh, we get to see the outside of the spaceship. We get to see the inside of the spaceship. We go to the sporting event. Like, there's a lot of one-off kind of things just for this episode. So even though, like, what I'm what I'm intrigued by with this episode is that even though it is one note, I still stand by that, that the, the concept isn't that great. But the execution, I thought, was very, very good. And, and typically, that's the opposite, where it's like, oh, the concept was good, but the episode wasn't that great. Uh, this was the opposite, where it's... The concept on paper to me isn't that funny, but, I, you know, I mean, you heard I was chuckling throughout it, laughing throughout it. So it's a solid episode, I think. I think I'm going to have to give this one three and a half kiss armies out of five. Uh, a very solid episode, a very strong episode. And I think this one going more towards just my biases, and I totally can can admit that, that this kind of sexualized humor doesn't really do much for me uh, in my life at this point. Maybe if I saw this one when I was younger, it would have been a, a bit more edgier to me in that way, and I would have liked it more, or if, if my sense of humor was just different. So it's possible that, that a lot of these uh, jokes resonated more with you than they did with me. That's just a personal thing, but still a very well put together episode, and I liked it a lot more than when I watched it at the watch party. So that's always nice. So that's it. I think that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for, for watching along with me, listening along with me, talking teens with me. Thank you to everyone signed up over at the Patreon who support the podcast. Of course, thank you to Fucked Up Frylock and Nick for signing on to the Patreon this week. And a shout out to our top tier supporters. Of course, our number one in the Hoodgy tier supporters, Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Robison and Jason, and of course our Highlander wandering the earth trying to kill himself, Nick. There can be only one! You guys can ask me to fix your poll any day of the week. I'll see you next week. We're going to be interviewing an Aqua Teen cast and crew member. Very excited about it. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>